Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge here with Alan Arnold today in the studio. Some of you know Alan. He's been on the podcast a number of times. He's our director of content and resources and handles a number of things for us, and including the podcast, and is also really essential in getting the material that we have out all across the world. And today is the third uh, and final installment in a three-part series we did talking about some books of mine, some classics that we have re-released in partnership with my publisher. And if you were listening a couple episodes ago, you heard Stacy and I talk about Journey of Desire, and then Morgan and I uh, talking about Waking the Dead. And then today, Alan and I talking about a book called Walking with God. And I want to I want to ask you a question, Alan. But let me let me read a couple paragraphs from the introduction to get us going because I think it sets up so well what the conversation's about. This is a series of stories of what it looks like to walk with God over the course of about a year. It's our deepest need as human beings to learn to live intimately with God. It's what we were made for. Back in the beginning of our story. Before the fall of man, before we sent the world spinning off its axis, there was a paradise called Eden. In that garden of life as it was meant to be, there lived the first man and woman. Now, their story is important to us because whatever it was they were and whatever it was they had, we also were meant to be and to have. And what they enjoyed above all the other delights of that place was this. They walked with God. They talked with Him, and He with them. For this, you and I were made, and this we must recover. Later in the introduction, I say, you might have heard the old saying, give someone a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach someone to fish, and you feed him for the rest of his life. The same holds true for life itself. If you give someone an answer, a rule, a principle, you help him solve one problem. But if you teach them to walk with God, well, then you've helped them solve the rest of their life. You've helped them tap into an inexhaustible source of guidance, comfort, and protection. And so whatever our situation in life, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, Our deepest and most pressing need is to learn to walk with God, to hear His voice. So, Alan, um, why this book? When we were divvying up, Stacy chose Journey of Desire, and she explained why, and and you asked Morgan if if he would like to come in and talk about Waking the Dead, and he jumped on that. But you you held this one for yourself. You said, I'm claiming— Oh, big time. Walking with God. Why? Because Walking with God has been the book that has really transformed my whole experience of sonship, of who God is, of just how to do life with Him. And I think, John, but before that, I would say I had read a lot of books um, about how to pray to God, how to believe in God, how to do things for God, how to appease God if I messed up. But I had never understood fully what it was like or even the phrase to walk with God, mm-hmm. that that was foreign. Yeah. I hadn't heard it preached about. I hadn't read about it. And I certainly hasn't hadn't lived it. And so this book was a disruptive, beautiful force. And, and I discovered it 
at a really cool moment, I was about to go on my 10th wedding anniversary with Kelly. We were looking for something to read together. We wanted to, to read on the beach. We were going to Florida. And the day before we left, this came in the mail from Ransomed Heart. I wasn't working with Ransomed Heart at the time, and it was an advance galley from the publisher. And so I grabbed that, we headed out, and we spent a week on the beach just passing the book back and forth, our feet in the sand, the waves in the background, and we would read to each other Hmm. a few pages Hmm. and then just look at each other and say, why haven't we heard this before? Like, this content, this message changes everything about how we engage with God, how we walk through the day, how we see our future. And so when this book was one of the three that the publisher was relaunching, I was like, I I have to talk about this because it's the one I raised so high on the banner of essential reading. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't know about. No. Right? At At the events, we'll have boot camp or captivating and Many times people will come up and I'll be working there and they'll say, I, I'd really like to read something from John, but I think I've read everything. And I'll just have, I just know, I'll say, have you read Walking with God? And there's this pause and blank look. Is that a new book? I'm like, no, it's not a new book. It's been out over a decade, but somehow it's this lost treasure yeah. of Ransomed Heart yeah. that most people haven't discovered. And and John, I'll tell you what I love about it uh, partially is the way it was put together the way that you wrote it. And I just wanted to read that uh, section from the introduction because I think it even sets the book apart even more in a unique way. And what you say is, what I offer here is a series of stories of what it looks like to walk with God over the course of about a year. I'm going to open my journals to you, or at least part of them. The most helpful part, I hope. And then you explain, you'll notice there aren't any chapters in this book. Life doesn't come to us that way in neatly organized sections with helpful subheadings and footnotes. We don't get an outline for each new day with summary points at bedtime. Life comes to us in a series of stories over the course of time. There is something to be learned in every story, and there is something to be learned from seeing it unfold through the seasons. See the repetition of themes, the recurring attacks of the enemy, the hand of God in seemingly unrelated events, I think this format will allow you to pause along the way at those points where God is speaking to you, shedding light on your story, or teaching you something new. So pause there. Let that be the lesson for the day. Don't just plow through it. Take your time and let him speak. And that way that this has been put together, it's unique in that it really, you can't just get to the end of a chapter and check it off the list. I've done my reading for the day. Yeah. Because it it's a journal and it's life and... Talk to me a little bit about that, about how you created this. You know, one of the lost um, pieces of discipleship in a busy world is life on life. It is the opportunity not to just come in, you know, for 30 minutes or an hour, your appointment or your Sunday school class, get the content and go, mm-hmm. but to actually process life together. And and uh, as a counselor, you know, quite honestly, a number of people that came into my counseling practice just needed someone to simply process their stories with because that's been lost in a busy world. So what I wanted to do instead, the the book has four sections to it, um, summer, fall, winter, and spring. And and through those seasons of a year, I'm kind of, I'm telling stories of this encounter with God 
or this confusing event that I needed God to help me interpret, or this weird dream I had, or, you know, something that I think is very common to every person. Yes. We just haven't had the opportunity to stop and take a look at it and go, okay, where is God in that? What's God teaching me? What's helped me interpret this? So I love the way it's written. And I think that, I think it makes it very readable. And I think it, it's truer to the way life unfolds, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And John, what, one of the key points early on you make, which for me was just, it just felt like eyes opened and just going, wait, this is, this is really how I need to approach life, is when you started talking about, does God still speak? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think up to that time, I believed some people heard him in a unique way, some of the time in very yes. rare moments. Right. Billy Graham probably did a few times. Right. You know, but but not me and not regularly. And so when I would try to seek God's will, it was find a passage in scripture, try to apply that, which mm-hmm. is good. Yep. And, and which we should do. But the whole ability to just ask God a question and listen and that he would actively, intimately speak to me, that was a that was a new thought. And so talk to me about that a little bit, because yeah. it seems like that changes everything for a yeah. believer. Yeah, it does. It does. It's huge. Let me, let me read um, from the prelude uh, section called The Power of Assumptions. I'm going to tell a story. I ran into an old acquaintance at the bookstore today. Actually, I was nearly out the door when he called my name, so I turned back in to say hello and chat for a few moments. He seemed not well. Half the man he used to be. I wondered why. I expected him to say he had suffered some major loss. A loved one, I feared. Or maybe it was a prolonged illness. There was just something about his countenance. A loss of some essential part of himself. You know the look. Many people have it, actually. It's a confused and disheartened look. As we talked, it became clear that he had simply been eroded by a number of confusing years, strung together by disappointment. As I left the store, I found myself thinking, he held such promise. What happened? It has to do with assumptions. He assumed that God, being a loving God, was going to come through for him, in the sense of bless his choices, his ministry, make his life good. He looked sort of dazed and hurt, that it hadn't happened. He was trying to put a good face on it, but you could see that he had lost heart. And this may be one of the most common, most unquestioned, and most naive assumptions people who believe in God share. We assume that because we believe in God and because he is love, he's going to give us a happy life. A plus B equals C. Now, you may not be so bold as to state this assumption out loud. You may not even think you hold this assumption. But notice your shock when things don't go well. Notice your feelings of abandonment and betrayal when life doesn't work out. And so I left the store thinking about assumptions, how they are either helping us or hurting us every single day of our lives. Our assumptions control our interpretation of events, and they supply a great deal of the momentum and direction for our lives. It's important that we take a look at them, okay? Now, I'll tip my hand to one assumption I'm making. I assume that an intimate, conversational walk with God is available and is meant to be normal. 
I'll push that a step further. I assume if you don't find that kind of relationship with God, your spiritual life will be stunted, and that will handicap the rest of your life. You see, we can't find life without God, and we can't find God if we don't know how to walk intimately with Him. And the passage I go on to quote there is from John chapter 10, where four times in that passage alone in John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. In fact, he even, he even gives you the situation. He says, look, life is dangerous. There are false prophets, wolves in, in, in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. You know, verse 10. Right. He's warning you, look, you live in dangerous country. Please follow me. Please listen to my voice. I do want life for you, but this is the missing equation for my friend. You, you know, God loves me. God wants life for me. Therefore, life will happen. And what's the missing piece in John 10 that Jesus is saying is, no, you actually have to listen to my voice. You need to follow me in all the ins and outs of, you know, because here's the deal, gang. Like, you can't memorize enough principles to apply to every situation in life, right? Right. You just can't, can't memorize enough passages and principles and rules and, you know, portions of sermons you've heard to kind of help you navigate. Life is constantly shifting, changing. Yes, you're supposed to raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they'll not depart from it. But what does it mean right now for your 13-year-old daughter? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And just the, the ability now to just come to God with any question at any time. Yes. And say, God, I whether it's a vacation question or whether it's about school or whether it's within marriage, yes. just to be able to say, God, I, I don't know what you would have me do here and to sit with him, walk with him. Yeah. And, and John, it's so amazing to me how many friends, Christians, many of them lifelong, I'll be talking to and they'll say, I just, I just wish I knew what God would have me do here. And usually now my response will be, well, have you asked him? What has he said? And there's, <laughs> it, it's like I've just said, have you been to Mars this week? Yeah. You know, and it's, they're like, well, I, no, I, I, I mean, I thought I'd check with you what your thoughts were. And mm-hmm. it's like, you don't need my thoughts mm-hmm. as much as you, what you need is yeah. ask God and listen. He'll speak yeah. to you. Yeah. And it's amazing when they come back and go, oh my gosh, God just said, don't yes. do this yes. or do this. And yeah. so it's such freedom in this message. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. And it's something to be learned. And thus, the the, the way the book's written um, over the course of a year, kind of navigating events, interpreting things. Because I want to be gracious to our listeners and say, I, I, I get it. You know, this it's, can be frustrating. Um, it's something that, that you grow into over time. Um, I was not given this. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I was uh, came to Christ at 19 and, and jumped into a great Bible teaching church. And, and the, you know, scriptures are the bedrock of our faith. And of course, God uh, speaks through our scriptures. But uh, I remember listening to the old J. Vernon McGee uh, radio show in LA as I was driving around. And, and the opening song of the show was this old hymn and um, I, they were trying to, you know, reinforce the importance of the scriptures. But the old, the verse of the hymn goes, uh, What more can he say than to you he has said? And, and the idea is he's done talking. 
God's done talking. He, he, he gave you his word. That's it. Mm. And, and, and the irony of that belief, and that's where most people get pushback from, you know, a, a reformed, you know, right. theologian or a pastor or a friend who, who comes back at them and says, no, that's, that's unbiblical. God does, you know, God's done speaking. The irony of that belief is that's not what the scriptures say. Yes. So if you want to start with the scriptures, <laughs> right. the scriptures are the very place that we learn that conversational intimacy is supposed to be the experience of every believer, not yeah. just those in the first century or or yes. 5,000 years ago. Well, John, and it shifts, what you're saying shifts it from head knowledge about Scripture, which is good, but to relationship mm-hmm. with God mm-hmm. in conversation and in intimacy. And I mean, really, it seems like all of Scripture was written as a love letter to bring us to intimacy with God. Exactly. And so if we just, if we learn verse and chapter, but we don't have intimacy, mm-hmm. um, what I uh, enjoyed in the book too, there's a section early on, pretty early on, and what you say in it is, too many people approach scripture without intimacy with God. And they either end up frustrated because they've gotten so little out of it, or far worse, they're just drowning in intellectual understanding quite apart from any real communion with God. And, and you go on to say how much richer it could be to simply ask God, and then you go into some questions. What should I do today? What should I read today? Where would you direct my path? And that, to me, seems like a shift from knowledge to entering into your story with God mm-hmm. with an expectancy. And it, mm-hmm. it's an adventure. Yeah. And he's with you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a repentant knowledge guy. I mean, I love knowledge. And I, I have a pretty extensive library in my home office of books that I've collected over the years on everything from philosophy and epistemology to world history. And I, you know, I'm fascinated with knowledge. But... um knowledge in itself is actually a very dangerous thing. And you see the glaring example of this in the Pharisees um, who knew the Bible better than you or I ever will, but they couldn't recognize Jesus when he was standing in front of them as the Son of God. They just couldn't stomach it. And you go, that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought that that your knowledge can actually mm. harden your heart. And and frankly, I there was an arrogance um, in my youth. <laughs> it probably still now, but but I can sure look back and see it and go, oh my gosh, I was so arrogant in my knowledge. Mm. And and but what I lacked was intimacy with God, the real deal. The knowledge is supposed to bring us to intimacy with God. Yes, not get yes. in the way of it, right? Well, and as fathers. You know, imagine if we just sent our sons, daughters, letters, but never communicated with them. Exactly. And they would try to spend time with us, and we would basically just say, I've already written it all. Yeah. Just just read the instruction just re- manual. Just read the letter. Yeah. Yeah. And John, yeah. in this in this book, um, what's gold, I think, that people will find is it goes into how to hear the voice of God, how to listen. But you also have a section in here that talks about what happens when we don't hear from God. And I think that's important for listeners because if you ask God a question or come to him with an issue and hear silence, well, clearly that 
doesn't mean God isn't speaking. So just in this podcast, what would you say to people who say, well, well, I've tried and I just, I don't hear anything. Yeah. See, this is the beautiful thing that life with God will always surface the other issues. It's not, it's usually not about getting the answer. And I know that's frustrating because we just want the answer. But, um, but, okay, so you're having a hard time hearing from God. Then, then rather than just simply walking away and, and making a dangerous assumption like, well, I guess he doesn't speak to me, or I guess he doesn't speak, period, or I guess I don't hear him, or whatever. You know, I'm blowing yes. it. I'm not yes. spiritual enough. Instead of going there, just pause and go, okay, why? Why, Jesus? I'm having a hard time hearing you. Why? Take me there. And, and let's explore into that. And quite often what's underneath that is pain. Um, quite often people struggle with a sense of betrayal by God. Well, I asked and my daughter still, you know, was abused by our babysitter. Well, I asked, but my yes. wife still passed away of cancer and, and there's pain in there. Yes. And, 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 and heartache quite often and anger. And God would love to speak to those things, to minister to those things. And so quite often the silence and, and the frustration, I get it, it's very frustrating, can actually take us into some pretty rich places. Um, and, and, and it may help to go to someone, go to a friend and say, I'm having a really hard time hearing right now. Can you pray with me? Can we talk about why, why that is and what God's doing? Um, because one of the ways that you develop your ability to recognize God's voice is listening on behalf of other people. And the reason why it's easier, it is always easier for me to hear on someone else's behalf than it is to hear on mine. Yeah. And, and the reason is obvious is you're not in the drama, right? You're not, you're not, in, you're not caught up in, 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 the, in the whole deal, right? You can't see the forest for the trees, right. as the expression goes. You're out of it a little bit. Your emotions aren't tied up in it. The, the stakes aren't as high for you. And so you're in a far more gracious place to hear from God, mm. right? So... Maybe go to someone and ask them to listen with you. Um, but but just take notice what's coming up in your heart, in your frustration and in your disappointment, because that's where the gold is. Yeah. Things that need to be healed, you know, yeah. agreements that need to be broken. Is yeah. there is there an agreement that he doesn't speak to you? Did you make that agreement? Yeah, God doesn't speak to me. Well, you're going to want to break that agreement because <laughs> right, it's right. going to make it really hard to hear from God. Right, yeah. right. And this is... Gang, this is what we do at Ransomed Heart in terms of walking with God. So if we're in a meeting with our directors or team, we don't assume, well, boy, that event was really successful a year ago. So, of course, we're doing it next year Yep, because it was great this year. And, John, when I joined the team, it was so disruptive compared to the corporate culture that I had come from where you annualize things. And if something works— it's just a no-brainer. You're going to do it again. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you don't. But instead to say, yeah, that went really well. We may never do it again. Yeah. Let's just see what God says. Yes. And to approach that in everything in life and to listen and expect his counsel, it's amazing. Let me let me read another fun yeah. portion of the book. <laughs> this one is entitled Dreams. I had the weirdest dream last night. Then again, isn't that how everybody starts a story about a dream? I had the weirdest dream last night. 
as if being on a roller coaster with King Tut might not be weird? What dreams aren't weird? Weird dream is sort of redundant. Anyway, back to the story. We're still up at the ranch, but I dreamed about a place I used to work. In my dream, I was still working there, which I think moves the dream into the category of nightmare. To make matters worse, they had placed me in some sort of prison. I had just been released, but I was in a heated argument with my former boss who had felt they had done nothing unusual or unreasonable. You can't do this to me, I said. I told him I quit, and I remember even in my dream how incredibly good it felt to my soul. I woke up feeling a wonderful relief. I quit. Okay, so it's not that wild to dream you're in prison in your job. You don't need a dream to tell you you hate your job and you feel trapped there. It did strike me as weird, though, because I haven't worked there for many years. Okay, but what's really wild is what follows. At breakfast this morning, Blaine says, I had a really weird dream last night. (laughs) There it is again. Hmm. I was with some other people, and we were on a rescue mission to set you free from that place you used to work. (laughs) Now, reader, what would you do with that information? What we typically do with stuff like this is raise our eyebrows and say, that's really wild, huh? And then we just head off into the day, never to give it another thought. And so what I'm talking about here is I say, in our walk with God, this is the critical moment. Too often we merely say, wow, what a coincidence. We look at it like a two-headed rooster perched on our windowsill, and then we just go have a sandwich. We never do anything with it. And so we lose the gift God is trying to give. Or we miss the warning he is sending up like a flare. And so in the book, what I'm trying to do is take all these different experiences that I think are pretty common to people, dreams, work, marriage, um, joy, vacation, loss, heartache, Um, a pretty serious accident I had that I tell about in the book and and go, okay, where is God in that? How do you walk with God through all these different pieces? And then if you are a fan of the book, if if you're tracking with it and going, oh yeah, I remember that, it was good. In the re-release of the book, one of the things I've done is add a new chapter. The last chapter now is entitled Walking with God Through the Seasons of Life. And rather than just looking at it over the course of a year, I kind of step back to 30,000 feet and go, what what does it look like to walk with God through various seasons of your life, from young children to the empty nest, from your career, you know, skyrocketing to your career not really going so well? Like, in the bigger themes of life and seasons of life, Mm -hmm. what does it look like to walk with God? So there's some new content in there as well that we're excited about. So excited. And if you have not read this book, please get it and just dive into it and savor the content. Even if you have heard some of this before, when you spend time in this, I think it will transform just how you approach your day, your family, decisions, and even assumptions that you just think, well, of course we're going to do this because it's always worked or we'll never do this. And God says, actually, don't do that. Do this. Mm-hmm. And you and your wife, listen, or you and your husband, one of the best ways for Kelly and me to go through life now, instead of saying, well, you picked the vacation last year, so now I get it this year. Yep. Or finances, you made this choice, now I'll make this choice, is to say, let's sit here together and see what God says. Yes. And talk about, you don't need a marriage counselor as much as you just need to invite God into these decisions, because yes. then it's not her turn, your turn, his turn. 
It's just simply saying, let's hear what God says and walk with him. So highly recommend it. Walking with God just out in the new edition. And um, also, of course, the other two we've talked about, Waking the Dead and The Journey of Desire. Yeah. Yeah. Get back into these gems. They really are. Um, they really are. They're speaking to me again, and that's that's a really beautiful thing. Friends, thanks for listening in on the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Alan Arnold today, wrapping up a three-part series that we've been doing on the re-release of some old classics that we're excited about. Looking forward to being with you next time. 